One of the nice things about working in theatre is that it's totally possible to meet with or even work with uh, people who inspired you early on in your career, or maybe even before it started. My guest today is someone who I was totally aware of whilst I was still training to be an actor, and yet several years later, I direct probably my favourite job to date, actually. It's Judy Atherton. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm really good. Good. <laughs> no, I made it sound like... Um, there's quite a big age gap between us. Like when I was at drama school, you were like, yeah, yeah. But actually, there's there's only, <laughs> there's only like a few years difference between us, really, isn't there? Yeah, I think it's like. I mean, you're a lot older than me. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, but genuinely, I've gone backwards now. But I think you've regressed. <laughs> yeah, but I think that there's um, you you must have just got on it really early. Because I was still in drama school when you were doing. I mean, Avenue Q is really what I'm talking about. Yeah, I and guess. yeah. So you must be quite young, young, and you did that. Yeah, I mean, I, I did the usual. Went to college uh, till I was eighteen. Is it when you go to college? Twenty one. No, and then I went to oh college. And then yeah. I went, yeah, and then I went to Mount View. Yeah, went to Mount View when I was eighteen till mm. twenty one, and then. But I got a job straight away when I came out. And was that Avenue Q? Was that your first job? No, no. it was Mamma Mia. Oh right, okay, yeah. Yeah, and then just kind of went from there. So, yeah, I think I was... A, but you must have been fairly young when you did Avenue Q. You must I have guess. been. Mm. It's probably about... I can't even remember. When was it? What year was it? Actually, oh, let's not work it out. I don't then know. they'll work it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and was that... I mean, is it fair to say... I mean, it was... Obviously, it was sort of quite early on in your career, but it was quite a bit of a game-changer for you, wasn't it, Avenue Q? yeah. Yeah, kind of, definitely. I feel like yeah, that was, really... Yeah, it was the first original cast in the West End, definitely. So, yeah, I loved it. It was such a good show. Mm. And so what was it like so early on in your career to do something that kind of had a lot of expectation around it? Because I think the show had existed on Broadway before it came here. Yeah. Um, and it, it had such a lot of buzz around it. People knew, you know, people had followed it from America over here and there was a lot of expectation about it coming here. So... What was it like being involved with something like that so early on? It was just so busy. Um, we had a lot of uh, marketing to do, basically. Mm. Um, and so we'd go to lots of events, and uh, which sounds really exciting, going to events and then doing all these little bits on TV, um, doing loads of little uh, concerts and gigs and, you know, little things here and there which which sounds exciting if you were going as a human but we were going as characters as puppets puppets. so you had to constantly improvise with puppeteering Mm -hmm. and I it's it's easy when you set the show well not it's never easy but once you've set the show you know exactly what's coming you know what you're doing you know what facial expression you're going to do you know what your other person's facial expression is going to be because you cannot look at their face you have to look at the puppet <laughs> yeah um, and if you happen to be looking the other way you know it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just it's so doing that kind of stuff on the fly is really so difficult it, yeah and when somebody asks you you're like we need to get the questions beforehand right. because we need, you know and it just became just work all mm-hmm. the time because we were still learning to puppeteer like now i'm uh, so much easier mm-hmm. with it um because you get the hang of it after a while. Yeah. Um, Aside from it being difficult in that respect, (laughs) what was it like as an actress to be... Because obviously, you know, we all get into this business, really, let's be honest. We all get into it to be successful and for people to look at us and take, you know. um, So for for, for you to be doing something so early on that was so widely recognised and it was such a big hit, it was a massive hit, it was everywhere, which is 
as I say, why I was totally aware of who you were before we met. Um, what was that like? Um, it's quite bizarre, actually. Like, especially when, like, even now, if somebody stops me and goes, are you Julianne? I always think, that's so way. How, <laughs> how do you know that? But there must <laughs> so be that, a part that of that you was... that, that doesn't mind that because, you know, you oh, don't... Oh, no, of course yeah. I don't mind, but I don't get it either. Like, it for me, I, I think it's bec- it's probably a northern thing. You just learn to ignore compliments or just never take them. Mm. It took me a long time to take compliments. Uh-huh. I didn't realise I was probably being rude going, oh, no, I'm not, or something. Like, you look nice. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, just say thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, just, just take the But compliment. I still inside go, oh, don't, don't say things. <laughs> you know, it's got, I've just got that northern in me that, so like, that was, it's a, don't ever was... be a big head. stay grounded yeah and so I've got that in me and I find it hard when people big you up or say nice things because I always just think oh please don't think I'm an absolute so that was one of the major (laughs) hurdles for you doing the show was that you were in the spotlight essentially people were not just in terms of being on stage but People were making a fuss about it. So was that one of the biggest things that you had to overcome doing that show? Yeah, I guess. People were taking notice of you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and it's very flattering. It's very nice. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong. Of course it is. It's lovely. Uh, but I don't think you're on your own there, though. I think a yeah. lot of people... I was talking with someone else who's doing this, this podcast series, uh, Lara, and we were talking about how it's so strange that people who don't really want the attention tend to gravitate towards the spotlight it's, yeah. it's quite a weird thing it's quite a weird dynamic isn't I think it for me I just really enjoyed being somebody else that's exactly what Laura said and I find it hard to be myself but I've conquered that because it was a massive fear like mm-hmm. doing a gig and having to talk as myself mm. even interviews I get mm. a bit like this is nice but I get a bit <laughs> clammed up normally <clears throat> um and yeah, but, but I conquered that by doing loads and loads of gigs and making sure that, you know, I was... You could be Julie. Yeah, but I was literally opening my soul about stuff mm-hmm. as well. So mm-hmm. I was just... But yeah, I it, think it, you but find it, that, I mean, it's hard. I kind of learned how to be Julie on stage. Uh-huh. Because... Yeah. If, if it was just really me on stage, it's that I'd be just... I mean, it's so funny. I can hear what you're about to say before you say it, just, <laughs> just from what your eyes are doing. Um, yeah, that's true. The real you on stage might be a bit much. Um, so you mentioned a little bit before um, about the, uh, that you're northern. So whereabouts were you born? Preston. Oh, Preston, Lancashire, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. well. Glamorous. And, um, and talk a little bit about your kind of upbringing. So what did you, what did your parents do? Um, my mum's a nurse. Okay. She's actually just about to retire this year. Oh, right. Oh, nice. At the age of 78. Like, you'd think she'd have retired before that, wouldn't you? Your mum's 78? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, so nothing, no kind of like showbiz background, nothing no. there. So how, <laughs> how do you find it? How, how what? what what drew you know Preston Lancashire your mum's a nurse how the hell did you get to the West End I mean my mum did Andram mm-hmm. so she absolutely loved the theatre and she used to take me to the theatre to see the Preston Musical Comedy Society shows um and they churn out a musical every year and I just love it mm-hmm. um and you go and see the Pantos as well and I remember going to see Blood Brothers which was a touring company and I just thought wow Okay, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Well, it was like the next rung up the ladder, something really professional. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Uh, yeah, we always used to listen to theatre and, and all sorts of music. Like I was brought up on country music and mm. uh, I just remember this is a CD as well. And he used to call it, it's called The Chopping I Love. It was Chopin. <laughs> no idea for years I was going you know chopping <laughs> but anyway yeah we listened to all, like, all sorts of music together and uh, I was pretty mute till the age of 11 mm. like, I just didn't speak to anyone um, my dad died in a horrific accident when I was three and so my whole family were kind of grieving when I was growing up so uh-huh. I always felt a bit detached at school anyway because no one was going through something like that yes. I guess which you I know, know what they probably you. were yeah but yeah so I was quite kind of mute it, obviously I wasn't at home but um I was at school mm-hmm. didn't really speak until I went to high school and I just suddenly decided right I'm not going to do that anymore mm-hmm. I'm not going to not speak and mm. um, so and then I was just very naughty <laughs> <laughs> so you're making up for lost bit, time yeah I was a bit of a rebel um <clears throat> I'm a rule breaker Still am. Yes, so, I know and love that about you, actually. Yeah. That's why I think we're friends. Yeah. I like that. So you went, I just want to touch upon something you said, actually, because I find that really interesting. Um, and it's something that's come up pretty much with everyone that I've spoken to so far, which is this idea that you are kind of from a smaller place, smaller town, um, but it was touring shows that kind of it was the bug that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what kind of you know appealed to you and it was those kind of traveling shows and it's actors who leave London they go and, yeah. and it just it's just kind of brought home to me since doing this series how vital touring productions are yeah absolutely and there's so many times like I remember doing Sister Act um on tour and mm-hmm. you know we made friends with so many of the like fangirls at stage door mm-hmm. like not fangirls in a weird sense I mean just like really cool mm. girls about 14 mm. that were like oh my god I absolutely love this this is what I want to do mm-hmm. and we're like yeah, absolutely go and do it and mm. then you hear stories you know like I still keep in touch with some of them they're like yeah now I'm mm. going to drama school mm. and it's really cool and something that's really nice about you actually is <clears throat> excuse me I do I teach a lot and I know that you've started working with students as well yourself recently um but what's really really lovely um is that there are kind of those songs that you hear a lot and in a nice way. And one song that I hear over and over and over again is Wait a Bit. <laughs> I knew uh, you were going to say that one. People yes. <laughs> love that song. You know, young girls, they absolutely love the song. And of course, it's synonymous with your performance, with your recording. You Is that right? You did the al- album or did you do the show as well? I did the show as uh-huh. well. And I did the show with Junix and Ocean, who has actually died recently. Um, he was like the engineer in Miss Saigon and he, oh, he, wow. he was absolutely amazing. Um, but he was the eldest magician. Okay. And then, and I recorded it with mm-hmm. him in mm-hmm. the studio and then their CD came through the post and I was like, oh, it's here. Oh, I'm singing with John Barrowman. <laughs> never met him, but. <laughs> oh, really? They redubbed it? <laughs> yeah, I'd never oh, met wow. him. But they, yeah, they brought him in, obviously, okay. to. Yeah, know. for publicity and yeah, yeah, yeah. sales and stuff yeah but that it's, it's always so lovely the amount of people and of course you know no one knows that I know you when I'm going out to uh, Cardiff or wherever I'm teaching and people say oh I'm going to do this um, you know I'm going to do wait a bit from just so and you know why do you pick this on I really just love Judy Atherton's performance in it. I just love it. and it's just so nice a little part of me inside just thinking oh, I know her <laughs> slightly fangirling myself I know everything <laughs> <laughs> I know too much about yeah. her um, so 
you uh we've talked a bit about this kind of idea of you know uh seeing these local amateur shows pantos touring productions so what is it when was the moment where you said okay this is definitely for me this is absolutely what i'm going to do i'm going to go to london i'm going to try this out i got a tape wasn't even a CD. A cassette. A cassette tape of Miss Saigon. And I was basically Kim in my bedroom every night. Then I saw the show and realised I'm not going to play it. But anyway, <laughs> um, but I was basically Kim. And I was thinking, I just, I felt, because I loved singing along to pop songs and everything in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum loved, oh, do that wind beneath my wings. You're good at that. <laughs> <laughs> she, she loved me singing that one. Go to karaoke. Um, and yeah, I just used to sing on my own at home and never really want to show anyone. But I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to live like drama through song. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love the drama of it and like mm-hmm. just pretending to be, to go through another life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never really had the balls to do it. Um, and one day there was some sort of gig at our college. And I was like, I'm going to sing a song that I wrote. <laughs> and so I did. And it went down quite well. Um, and I kind of enjoyed, I'm a bit of a show pony. I enjoyed shocking people. Yeah, well, I enjoyed being the quiet girl uh-huh. and then getting up and nailing it. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's quite dangerous, I know, in a production because I know directors don't often like that. But they have to trust you yeah, to yeah, know yeah. that you can do that. But yeah. I, and me working as a director as well, I'm a bit like, oh, just let me know if you're a show pony because yeah. if you're not, I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, you know, if you don't bring it in rehearsals, but sometimes it, you're a yeah. bit like, no, I need to gather all my tools before I show anyone. You know? <laughs> but now, actually, you should try and fail first, really. Um, but I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoyed that little shock, yeah. And... Uh, My mum just, basically my drama teacher at college pushed me really far and I decided I was going to go to drama school and that was that because I wasn't good at anything else and somebody had told me that I was all right at this. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, finally, you know, something other than just hanging out with my mates on the roof (laughs) during lessons (laughs) is something that I'm good at. So you Um, went to, uh, you came down to London, you went to Mountview, which... Well, first of all, I had to... Oh, no, no, yeah, I did. I I said to my mum, I've got an audition for Mountview, so I've got to go to London. And she was like, okay, okay. And I was like, we could probably see Miss Saigon while I'm there because I'm singing a song for Miss Saigon for my audition, obviously, Mm -hmm, because I was just him and that's the only only show I knew. (laughs) But like, Elphaba now, you know, (laughs) everyone's doing that. Um, and this is, you know, before the days of social media and everything. So you, I didn't know what drama schools were out there. I didn't know anything about it. So I had to go into the library, which I had never stepped foot in <laughs> in the college. And I found this book on drama schools and I just kind of went eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Um, and picked through. One was Guildford, one was Mountview. And the other one, I can't remember what it was. I don't think it exists anymore, oh, but really? they certainly took my money anyway. Uh-huh. my deposit and I didn't end up going there um, and yeah it went down to London and we stayed with one of my mum's friends and we had a lovely little trip there and she was like I've never seen you like this I've never seen you so prepared oh, for something that's nice and then when we came back I had to audition for a grant back in the days where right. you know they gave a shit and uh-huh. they could fund you um, so yeah I went to audition for the council <laughs> <This is weird. laughs> we went into this beautiful um place in Preston uh 
and we were in this kind of little room with a tape recorder in it and I had brought my own pianist wow <laughs> because I was like no one else is playing this for me like I've rehearsed this with Sam and this is what we're doing <laughs> um and so I brought my own pianist my mum had given me a lift there and I had everything I had my music like I was I was prepared I had like documents for Mount View like I, I was ready Mm, you really um, wanted it by the time. I re- oh, things. I was yeah. go- going to get it, and that was it. Yeah. And when I set my heart on something, I'm like, I'm getting this. Um, and so, yeah, my mum just couldn't believe it. She was like, I mean, you were just so- anyway. I went into the room and, and said, Oh, I've, I've brought my own pianist, um, but there doesn't seem to be a piano. <laughs> and they went, oh, Hold on, there is a piano in the other room. We went into this um, like beautiful kind of ballroom, and they sat along these tables at the back and and, uh, he was like this is the best piano I've ever played (laughs) like it was so beautiful and went in there and I sang I give give my life for you from the second like gave it the full works I think I even started on my knees (laughs) (laughs) I'd choreographed the whole thing Um, and yeah and then this woman was crying I was like mum I made someone cry (laughs) (laughs) don't don't know whether that was because I was out of tune or not but um, yeah, she was just really chuffed. She she said, "I've never seen you like this." So that's um, amazing. That does sound like the first ten minutes of a film about someone yeah. who then goes on to win yeah. seven Tony Awards. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So um, you mentioned as well that you came down to Mount View, um, which I kind of want to skip past uh, because training is training is training. You yeah. know what happens in drama school stays in yeah. drama school. <laughs> Good. Um, but um, I just I'm just interested because you must have graduated. I don't want to give away your age or anything, but you must have graduated kind of 16, 15, 16 years ago, 12, 10, 16, 9. 59. <laughs> Around uh, that. Yeah. Um, and I just wondered, century. it felt, it feels to me as someone who knew of you before we met and kind of now knows you, it felt to me like you were part of a new wave or you were you were kind of caught up in a new wave of stuff that was happening in the West End mm. and and I'm going to call it like the American invasion it felt like Avenue Q Spring Awakening Wicked Hairspray all these shows were coming over there were huge monster hits there were they were that we knew they were hits as well because they've been mm. massive on Broadway um, and it felt to me like you were kind of riding part of that wave and I'm just interested to know as someone who stayed in the business since then, what that experience was like, first and foremost, and do you think that things have changed since then? What what change Definitely. have you noticed? Definitely. Um, well, me, Paul Spicer, Neil Eckersley, and David Randall started a company called Notes from New York. Um, and Paul and Neil were very much the producers of that, and we were just creative input. Um, but that was amazing to be a part of. Uh, and it was a it was a series where we brought <laughs> the songs over from New York because mm-hmm. nobody was doing new theatre here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that kind of caught on and lots of other people started doing it as well. With some people, it got a bit competition-wise and it's a bit like, no, you're missing the point. This isn't mm-hmm. a competition. Mm-hmm. This is like, let's get together and do yeah. that. Um, and I think with so much of this... Uh, rise in female power as well I think that's got something to do with the fact that we are starting to work together in mm-hmm. theatre now mm-hmm. and not um not be in competition which I think is uh-huh. is silly bringing other shows down do, do you know what I mean right Rather yeah than for sure like, yeah you know 
giving rise to shows that don't need celebrities in them. Yes, yeah. And no, I mean, that's something that you've always just been... I mean, the reason I love you and have always loved you is because you're so vocal and you're really... You've got... But, but, but about things that you're passionate about. Yeah. And you've got these morals and you've got these standards and you kind of don't really accept anything... No. Beneath them, and you're... When you're I was younger, I was called mouthy because of it, because mm. I think if I was a, a boy, it would have been different, and I don't mean to, but right. it, it, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it really would have been. I think you're a bossy upstart when you're a girl and you have an opinion. I think you're when right. When you're a boy and you have an opinion, like, he's going to go far. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think that's <laughs> I absolutely right. bang on. Yeah, I think you're totally right. But I just want to go back to the idea of... I, I don't know how many people might know, but of course I know about this kind of Notes from New York thing that you and Paul did. And I know that you did a production of the last five years at the Haymarket yeah. Theatre Royal. Um, and you were really kind of instrumental in bringing these new works over and kind of saying, look, guys, there's this, it's not just about these huge juggernaut shows like Hairspray, like um, <clears throat> Avenue Q, but actually there's this new writing that happens off Broadway. And there's, there's such an exciting, um, culture of that in America that we weren't really embracing yeah and now of course it's all changed 10 years later Mm. we are embracing new writing to a point where I think there's almost as much new writing as there is kind of revivals now maybe the new writing doesn't receive these huge productions but there's a lot of new writing out there there is And and I wish that reviewers wouldn't review those shows like West End shows. Like right. I've read somewhere, you know, the lighting was this, and you're like, it's a budget of twenty pounds. <laughs> like, yeah. how can you judge it on that? Yeah, like judge the piece, uh-huh. you know, um, the writing. So, yeah, mm. basically. So please, that's kind of a little message to our reviewers: just be careful when you're reviewing mm. very small, low budget shows, yeah, and just sure. know that they don't have the money. But then when you do go and see something like. Uh, you know, bat out of hell or uh-huh. something. You know, you are clapping money. Like, yeah. There's so much money in it. That's, mm-hmm. I, I was just trying to think of the most expensive production <laughs> I've seen recently. But you I haven't know, seen it yet. But I've heard it's it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the design is amazing. It's mm. actually the same designer as Grinning Man. Oh really? It's, yeah. It's an oh, incredible wow. design. I can't wait to see it. Everyone, everyone who's seen it has said your mouth is on the floor at what you're looking at you just kind of can't believe what you're looking at so I'm really looking forward to seeing that um but in terms of I mean it's quite interesting you talk about these shows with smaller budgets because as well as being passionate about new writing you're equally passionate about fringe and for me that's so encouraging when someone like you who has done you know Mamma Mia, Fame, Avenue Q, Sister Act you've done these big shows but then you're equally as passionate about um, new writing, smaller venues, uh, and, and companies that are starting off. I mean, I know I've benefited personally from that because we work together on an off West End production. What is it that, why do you have that passion? Why do you give it that time? Because I like when people, like minded, brilliant people work together on something and, and theatre gets back to being what theatre is not a big corporate money making machine, but theatre mm-hmm. and unfortunately in the West End because of the big corporate money making machines mm-hmm. um, it just becomes this factory this business this you know the money people that, that you know the bean counters are making the creative decisions and you just think why are you surely as a professional bean counter you know to get the professionals 
who know what they're doing in the job, but everybody thinks they can do theatre mm. because of shows like X Factor. Everybody mm. thinks they're Simon Cowell. Everybody thinks that, you know, they know how to judge somebody. They know how to judge something. They know they know what decisions to make. Oh, well, I want to see this, so this is what it is. It's like, well, of course, but theatre is collaborative mm. and it's with the creatives you have in the room and, and leave it to the creatives and you go and do your bean counting. Yeah, that's interesting, do- actually, because I think a lot of people wouldn't think... Uh, about and you're that. not allowed to say that because mm-hmm. the bean counters pay your wages, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. as soon as you say something, you're, you're an upstart. But it's like you don't understand. I'm just, I'm just trying to rescue your failing mm-hmm. business. <laughs> so, so <laughs> failing in on in off West End theatre or fringe theatre or you know less commercial theatre um, companies uh, and creatives are able to make kind of more brave, risky choices, things that aren't necessarily dependent on. Uh, making money and so it can often be more artistic and inventive yeah and you found yourself there kind of a few times yeah um, for those very reasons yeah and Mm. I think you know unfortunately with any business at the top of the business comes a a place of privilege and they normally come from a place of privilege Mm. So, and art isn't that. Mm-hmm. Like, just look at areas of London. As soon as the, the poor artists move into an area, they make mm-hmm. it absolutely amazing. And mm-hmm. then suddenly the prices go up and the mm-hmm. artists can't live there anymore. Mm-hmm. They're like, we created this. And mm-hmm. then, and that's what happens everywhere. And that's what's happening with theatre, you know. So, because right now I feel like we're part of a really exciting new little shift uh, in London at the moment. It, it feels like good work is getting out there. Definitely. And there's a lot of nonsense as well. Those, those shows, I think, will always be part of the landscape, part of the buffet that Absolutely, we're kind of, yeah, you know, provided with. But yeah. there's some really exciting things happening. You know, uh, Grinning Man, of course. Uh, everyone's talking about Jamie, The Ferryman, uh, Girl from the North Country. These shows are moving into the West End from smaller venues, you know, yeah. from smaller runs. And they're they're successful. Yeah. They're having a good oh, time definitely. there. This and is it's all. so encouraging, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely happening now. But what I was saying is it, it wasn't. And so that's why I think a lot of people like me moved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we'll just started championing new work because mm-hmm. we want to selfishly, mm-hmm. like I'm not this charity do-gooder or anything mm-hmm. like that which we've like isn't it great that you're now it's like well no I want to do that job mm-hmm. because that's a good part mm-hmm. and yeah, it's yeah, written yeah. by an amazing person mm. and I want to work with those people mm. I don't want to feel like a factory worker anymore I want I want to feel like I've, I've I will be listened to as well it's interesting you say that about you know I want to play that part and I want to work with those people because I, I think and I hope that's kind of one of the reasons why we ended up doing I Love You a Perfect Now Change together, yeah. um, which was uh, in the studio space above the Arts Theatre. We did it about three it's years ago. It's such good fun. Mm. I'd love to do that again. I know mm. we all would. Like every time we get together, we're like, oh, why it's didn't funny, we do that? It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's that. And, and it, it sold out. <laughs> it was anyway. such a small job for us all I think we rehearsed for two and a half weeks and we played for three weeks but it's it stayed with me and mm. and, and you know when I speak to you when I speak to Sam Holmes uh, Simon Lipkin and Gina Beck you know all of whom are in the cast everyone says the same thing there's just such fun memories of yeah, that production it's such a fun process 
Mm. It was a really, really nice time. I think we probably will do it again. Give it a couple yeah. of years. Cause, um, we have to. Because for those, those people who don't know, we so did special. a year later after the original run, we did get back together, um, <laughs> which had its own complications, but it ended up being really lovely. But um, yeah. we did a couple more performances a year later. Um, and then there's got to be, there's got to be another opportunity somewhere down yeah. the line for us to get back together. I yeah, hope there so. There just has to be because it was too much fun. <laughs> was a lot of fun and it's and it remains to this day my favorite job by yeah. far um but you talked a little bit about that idea of um um I want to do that show because I want to play that part and I might not play that part in the bigger version of yeah. the show or the bigger version of the show isn't happening right now so this is my opportunity to be in that show Absolutely. and play that part um there's a lot of People are quite opinionated about fringe theatre and quite opinionated about Off West End. Um, and obviously there's a big uh, kind of uh, argument and there's a big kind of conversation about no pay, low pay, which mm. is actors, you know, not earning proper wages or livable wages from, from fringe theatre. What are your thoughts on the place of fringe theatre? You know, d- does it belong uh, in the kind of eco-structure of, of this business, of this industry? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really important. For one, it get it, it's it's like a dress rehearsal for everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's how it should be. Um, is writers trying out material, actors trying out different parts. Like I would never have even been seen for Teresa Rakan if that was in the West End, mm-hmm. because oh, I'm a comedy actress. You can't possibly do both. Mm-hmm. So well, I can. I'm a woman. <laughs> I can multitask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know it. It, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been seen for it at all, mm. and it was mm. so nice. Yeah. Um, Which you, actually, you did that at the park. Yes. And so was did it, it at the Finbra and then the park? Right. And was it just a play, or was it? There was a musical. It was a as musical. Well. Right. Yeah, but it was mm. dark, mm-hmm. really, really dark. Mm-hmm. And like, for instance, one of the guys' agents I met them afterwards, and she was like, "Oh," because I came out and I. I Gave her a smile. I said, hello. She went, oh, it's wonderful to see you smile. <laughs> and I thought, wow. That, I was like, yeah. it's actually quite refreshing. Pretty dark couple of hours. Yeah. <laughs> but mm. yeah, it was, it was really dark. <laughs> but I agree. You know, I think that um, uh, so many creatives, writers and actors cut their teeth on Absolutely, the fringe. And yeah. it's such an important part. You do part. it at drama schools and you do it in the fringe. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's Because it's replaced step. rap. You know, of course, yeah. actors used to go to a... Um, a regional theatre, you know, like the Liverpool Everyman and the Royal Exchange in Manchester, and they'd be, be part of the company there for a couple of seasons, and they'd play several roles within that time, and they'd learn the craft on the job. Yeah. But, of course, that doesn't exist anymore, and so Fringe, I think, in some ways has replaced that, and it's become yeah. as necessary. Um, it's just interesting. Um, it seems to me a lot of people who don't need the Fringe are quite vocal about it not being there or they, they, they don't see the point in it. Right. Um, but to me, I, I find that quite interesting that it's the people who don't need it that are trying to get yeah. rid of it. Whereas the people who are there and they're, they're part of it and, and they depend on it. it. Yeah. Um, How many but, shows have transferred from the fringe? I mean, mm. not many, but, <laughs> well, but, but it has but happened. Should, yeah, it has happened. I mean, look at Titanic, happen. you know, Titanic yeah. starts at Southwark Playhouse. Um, and you know, it's done, two runs since then and it's about to go on a UK tour yeah that's a success story whether we like it or not yeah. and that started life uh, in a 220 seat venue you know yeah. so I think it's vital and you know 
similarly with creatives, you know, you look at some amazing people who've started um, on the fringe. I know Andrew Wright, uh, Drew McConey, both of whom are yeah. fantastic choreographers, worked a lot on the fringe in the early days. Drew did a show with me, um, you know, and now they're off taking over the world. Drew's about to direct Absolutely. on Broadway, for goodness Absolutely. sake. It's so important. You know, so, yeah, well, I'm glad to hear you say that because yeah, I'm... Cause it's like, it does feel like, because you're always learning as well. You're never just suddenly an expert just because mm-hmm. you've done the show. So, you know, you get to look, you get to vary your, uh, what's the word? Craft. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Yeah, kind of that. (laughs) And so we're kind of coming to the end now, but I just wonder, you know, you have been working professionally for 15 years and uh, probably over, I don't know the exact date, Julie, all right. Um, (laughs) But um, what keeps you interested? I mean, does it become a job eventually or you know, are you still interested in finding new things, exploring new ideas, playing new parts? Always, are you... yeah. Um, it gets boring when you are. This is sounds sounds horrible, doesn't it? But it does get boring when you in you're in a long running show mm-hmm. and you're doing the same thing every single day. Mm-hmm. Of course, mm. it's no matter how excellent the production art is, is yeah. or the production or you know and the people around you and it is fun and it's great to have a regular wage for that long but sometimes when you are in you know you have to stand on six and do that you know mm-hmm. so that does get creatively mm-hmm. implosive sometimes yeah that, and that's know, kind of what i recognize like groundhog day. about you which is different from perhaps some other actors i know which is you are really all about the creativity and the artistic side of it it's so it just drives you doesn't it yeah. and that was something I noticed when we worked together you didn't just want to do the first thing that came into your head you wanted to scurry around and find things mm. and keep developing and I think right through to the end of the run you were still coming up with things you know and um, so it doesn't surprise me then that you've shown a little bit of interest in directing recently yeah and do you th- how much of that do you think, I mean, are you happy to just do it as a sideline? Do you think you'll have a career change or don't you know or don't you care? Um, I don't really ever want to define myself as either. I don't think pigeonhole I, I think, me. Yeah, I just feel like I'm both. Mm-hmm. Um, and me I'd too, although to I don't it. act anymore. Yeah, but I'd love mm. to keep keep up both. And I think they do go hand in hand. Um, mm. Some people don't like it because they're just one or the other and they don't want you to be <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. you know it makes it people makes, feel comfortable when they can pigeonhole you yeah, yeah. And you i am definitely both and i think it's quite important especially if you're working with actors to have known mm. what it feels like yeah i think it's benefited be me somebody, yeah. as a director to have definitely. to have acted um because i know what i'm asking an actor to do and i know yeah. that actually what you're saying Kirk, that's quite exposing so mm. maybe put, term it in a different way or find a different, you know, or actually that's just standard. They should be able to do that, with, yeah. you know. So me me having performed has definitely influenced my style of yeah. direction, I think. And yeah. I think it probably... And I could tell that as well. Probably does with you as well. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you so much. And now from acting to directing to uh, doing a podcast series. Really? You've, you've seen it all. Really? Um, so, but thank you for coming on this series. It's really nice to talk to you. And um, where can people find you if they want to kind of follow you? Do you have a Twitter account? In the bar. <laughs> do you do social media? Yes. You do? Yes, I'm just not brilliant at it. Because, right. But again, they can find you on Twitter, can they? Yeah, if I've just... 
something ridiculous happens to me, normally I'll put that on there. But again, I'm not great. <laughs> You're not big at, on it. I'm, well, I'm just not great at the whole doing it to market myself. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then if it's something funny, I normally just tell friends. Yeah, <laughs> like, you don't feel the need to share it with the world. Yeah, but I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. So, yes, I'm on... Apparently, I'm on Instagram. I am on Instagram. I just... I'm not... I'm Again... I'm terrible at taking photos. Mm-hmm. I'm always in the moment rather than outside of the moment uh-huh. taking photos. Yeah, well, I'm the same, actually. And you've got a few albums out as well. Yeah! <laughs> Where can people find them on... Um, look at you cringing, hating every moment. <laughs> Where can um, people find them on iTunes? Well, or? I have a wonderful new website being designed at the moment. Okay. So as soon as that's out, everything will be very easy and in one place. But at the moment, I've still got an old website where okay. one's being... But hopefully by the time this goes out, if hopefully people the time, search Julie yeah. Atherton, then they can find you and go and buy your Yeah, julieatherton.com and everything will be on there at some point. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. Thank you so much for speaking to me today. It's all right. Lots of love. Don't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.